Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 167. And today's episode is all about unschool English, in particular writing. I have some stories to share with you from my blog about punctuation, grammar, spelling and writing ideas. But before I get into this week's stories, I would just like to talk a little bit about last week's episode, episode 166, Unschooling Sausages and Other History Stories. First, the audio quality. You might know that I was trying out a new mic last week. And when I came to listen to the file after I finished recording, I was very, very happy that I'd actually recorded something and it was of sufficient quality to upload to the internet. Well, I think it was okay. It wasn't perfect. You might have noticed a few bumps, especially at the beginning. And I think that was because I didn't have my mic set up in the most favourable position. I'm hoping to do a little bit better today. Yes, I think I must have touched the mic a few times. Recording podcasts is such a sensitive thing. I might use the same equipment from week to week and you would expect that I would get the same result. But no, somehow I think a little bit of luck comes into it all. Is this a day that my mic wants to work properly? Am I going to get a horrible background noise that I didn't get last week? Well, I hope not. I hope the recording today will go well and that I will be encouraged to keep on podcasting. I certainly got encouraged by some feedback from listeners and I have a few comments here to share with you. I hope nobody minds if I share these. I'm going to share them anonymously because I didn't ask the people specifically for permission to read them out on this episode, even though I did mention that last week and I did say something about that on my blog. So I'm assuming people don't mind if I share their public comments. Now the first comment is, I like the idea of podcast chapters. Super easy to navigate if I want to hear about something specific. Glad you are back. Well, that was a nice welcome back, and I'm going to talk more about podcast chapters after I have shared my stories right down at the other end of this podcast, and there will be a chapter about podcast chapters. So if you are interested in that topic, you will be able to find it easily. Now, my second comment. I listened today. I love hearing your stories because they make me feel validated in what we are doing, especially during times when fear creeps in. I don't think it matters how long we have been unschooling. There are times when we doubt what we're doing because life gets difficult and occasionally even I now stop and think, is it because of unschooling? And I know deep down it's not, but... Yes, there are times when we all feel a little bit vulnerable, a little bit insecure. We need a boost of encouragement. And that's what I think is good about connecting in with other unschoolers, other people who are on the same pathway as us. And I was so glad that I was able to share some encouragement for that particular listener. And Of course, all these comments are giving me the feeling of encouragement. So on to the next one. I got to listen to your latest podcast and loved it. I really like you reading out collected blog posts. I don't have much time for sifting and reading blogs, but I can listen and work. So this is just wonderful. Thanks for doing what you are doing. And thank you for that beautiful comment. Yes, some people read blog posts, some people listen to podcasts, some people do both. But even if you have read the blog post that I'm going to be reading out, maybe hearing my voice say the words and then commenting about the story afterwards 
gives the story something extra. I approach the story from a different angle. So I'm hoping that if you are familiar with any of my stories, you don't mind hearing them again. Another comment. I just finished listening and yes, I liked the format very much. It never hurts to review good ideas and since I have missed many of your posts, unless the stories are in your books, they are new to me. I think it's interesting to hear your comments on older stories too, even if your opinion on a topic changes over time. Has this ever happened since you started blogging about unschooling? And that's a really interesting question. Have my opinions changed? Well, on the whole, my understanding of unschooling has deepened over the years. So maybe as time has passed, I've had more to share, more insights, more certainty about what I am speaking and writing about. But yes, my opinion has changed in one particular area, and that is maths. And I just couldn't let go of that when we started unschooling. I just didn't see how kids could learn all the maths that they ever needed in an unschooly way. Surely maths is one of those things that needs to be taught in a structured, formal way. Well, I changed my ideas about that one. There are posts on my blog that tell our maths story, but I told our story better in my book, Curious Unschoolers. I think the stories follow through from one to the other in a very good way. Well, at least I hope that's what you think. And my final comment, well, it's not my comment, but the final comment that was written about last week's episode is this. Just finished listening to the podcast. It was great. I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. I like the new idea of topics and related stories and resources for both storing record-keeping purposes. I'm going to check out the history and geography resources for my own interest and share it with my boys. They ask about you and your family because they remember me reading the Angel Family stories to them. We looked up info about your firefighters and the weather patterns in Australia because of what you and your family were experiencing. Amazing the conversations that are generated from one topic to the next. This was a great start back with podcasting. I'm sure all of your regular listeners missed you while you weren't podcasting for a few months. But I wouldn't have expected you to podcast while you were so busy with the bushfire crisis and, of course, the Christmas holidays, etc. Probably everyone knew you were quite preoccupied with the situation. It's so good when things settle back down a bit and life can return to something more normal. I'm looking forward to hearing all your thoughts and ideas. Thank you, Sue. And yes, it is wonderful that life has returned to normal and I can do things again, like podcasting. Yes, I can follow through on a few new ideas without being distracted by things that are going on in our personal lives. And thank you for your understanding about the situation over the Christmas holidays. The Angel Family Stories, of course, that refers to my two children's novels. And resources. Yes, I mentioned a few last week and I'm going to try and incorporate a few resources at the end of each of my stories or within the story if I've written the story that way. Share the links just in case you would like to follow up on those resources as well. It's good, isn't it, to share ideas, share resources and to share enthusiasm, encouragement and support. And that's what everybody did who commented on last week's episode. Now, I did suggest that if anybody wanted to make an audio file using their phone, I could incorporate those files into my podcasts. But nobody decided to do that. But I think that would be a good addition to this podcast. So if you feel like sitting down and recording your thoughts about either this episode or last week's episode or anything to do with unschooling and my podcast episodes, 
please do that because I would really appreciate your input. Now I'm going to get into my stories, the stories of the week. And I'm so pleased that people want to hear my stories. So I have chosen four stories with the label English, and they are all about unschool writing, about the tools of writing, you know, punctuation, grammar, and spelling. And then I have some ideas for writing. These are for any children or parents who like creative writing because not everybody will be a creative writer. Everybody will be a writer because writing is necessary and I do believe that children will learn all the skills they need but maybe not in our time, in their own time and in their own way. So, the first story. I should get on with it, shouldn't I? This story is called Unschool Writing. What about grammar and punctuation? And I wrote it in September 2019. I wrote about this topic because Imogen and Sophie and I had just come back from Canberra, where we met up with a number of unschoolers to talk about unschooling. And somebody asked me, what about grammar and punctuation? And so I thought that I'd write out the things that we discussed so that other people reading my blog could hear about what I'd said. And also now I'm sharing it in this podcast. So as usual, I read the story and I will probably have some comments to make afterwards. Unschool writing. What about grammar and punctuation? How do unschoolers learn to write? This was one of the questions we were asked when we spoke at the recent Canberra Unschooling Talk. First, I think kids need something to say before they want to write. Lots of different things inspire us to write. Here are just a few. Books, movies, games, events, and lively discussions that lead to thoughts and opinions. When my kids were little, they acted out what they wanted to say while they played. They also drew their stories. A day arrived when my children wanted to write them down. Of course, learning to form letters and getting them in the right order didn't happen overnight. But with encouragement, rather than pointing out mistakes, it didn't take very long for my kids to become proficient writers. There's so much more I could say about unschool writing, but for today, I just want to answer the specific question. But what about grammar and punctuation? We can learn a lot from looking at our own experiences, can't we? Like most of us, I went through the school system. I did the usual punctuation and grammar exercises. Lots of them. I did everything that the school thought I needed, and I did it well. Then years later, I wrote my first book, and when I got to the editing stage, I realised I didn't know much about punctuation at all. My grammar wasn't up to scratch either. I had a lot to learn before I could publish my book. Because I forgot most of what I had learnt in school, I concluded that workbooks and exercises and punctuation lessons aren't an effective way to learn. We learn best when we have a need or an interest. Kids will learn grammar and punctuation while they're actually writing. Mothers might learn the more complicated skills while they're writing books. I'm always googling such things as which or that and capitalization after a colon and when to add a comma with so or but. Punctuation and grammar rules are rather complicated but they are also very interesting. I never used to think so. When I was a child, there were just things found in workbooks that had to be learnt about. 
and then could be forgotten. Unless, of course, I used them, which wasn't often. So my kids learnt the grammar and punctuation skills they needed while they were actually writing. The skills weren't learnt in isolation. I didn't insist they learned them just in case. And I extended my knowledge of grammar and punctuation while I was editing my books because I wanted my writing to be as professional as possible. My daughter Imogen also knows a lot more about punctuation and grammar than she used to. Writing, editing and publishing her fantasy novel, The Crystal Tree, gave her the perfect opportunity to hone her skills. Soon, we'll all be checking the manuscript of Imogen's sequel novel, The Shattering Song. Our beady eyes will be looking out, not only for spelling mistakes, but grammatical and punctuation errors as well. Kids will learn to write out of need. Some will go further and learn more about writing because they find it interesting. They'll be writers like my kids. Passionate writers and less enthusiastic writers. Either is okay. Along the way, both types of writers will learn the grammar and punctuation skills they need. Well, you might know that my daughter Imogen's second novel, the sequel to The Crystal Tree, has been published. It's been available online for quite some time now. You'll find The Shattering Song at Amazon as a print book and as a Kindle ebook. Imogen got a lot of positive feedback about her first book, and some very kind people said they couldn't wait for the sequel to be published. Well, it has been published. So I hope everybody will read it, and I am sure that Imogen would love to hear whether you love it too. Can punctuation and grammar be interesting? I said in that story that it can. Yes, I am fascinated by punctuation and grammar. It doesn't seem to matter how much I learn. There's always something more to Google, something more to learn about this topic. Years ago, I would never have imagined that finding out where to place a comma in a sentence in relation to the word but or so could be interesting. But yes, I do enjoy grammar and punctuation, and I have learned a lot since writing my books. I think that writing books and then self-publishing them is a very unschooly way to publish books. Yes, we could hand over our manuscripts to somebody else, to an editor, maybe if we were lucky, to an agent. But if we do the work ourselves, we have a wonderful opportunity to learn new skills. We also have control over our work. We can do things just the way we want them to do. That's very unschooly, isn't it? Having control over our own work. Not having to live by the rules, do things other people's way. But to be free to bring our dream alive just the way we imagine. So self-publishing isn't second best. I think it's first best for unschoolers. But the way things are these days, a lot of people self-publish. They choose to do that rather than go down the traditional pathway. A lot of that's to do with what I've just been saying, that authors have more control. But also, traditional publishers expect authors to do a lot of their own publicity. If I'm going to do my own publicity, then I might as well publish my book myself. So I've published five books and Imogen has published two books and Sophie has a book that she's hoping to publish. So I'm wondering about your children. Do they have ambitions to publish books? Anybody can publish a book. It is very satisfying to see our writings take the form of a book. Other people can share them. Yes, writing is very exciting. So maybe if your children would like to self-publish their books, you could help them do that. Imogen and I are always happy to answer any questions about self-publishing. 
you might remember that Imogen and I spoke about unschooled writing in two previous podcasts. The first one was called Our Writing Unrules for Unschoolers, and the second one, More Unschooled Writing Ideas and Resources. I'll put links in the show notes. Now, here are some questions that you could think about about that story if you would like to answer any of them in a comment or an audio file please do. I said, do you have writers in your family? Perhaps your kids' interests lie in other directions. And how are your punctuation skills? Do you ever Google a punctuation problem? Or perhaps you have something like Grammarly. I do. Yes, I use the combination of Googling and Grammarly. Grammarly is really good, but you have to know what you're doing because sometimes Grammarly isn't right. (laughs) But most of the time it is. And the other tool that I sometimes use is Capitalize My Title. Under the heading, The Big Question, I wrote, Did I punctuate my blog title correctly? Yes. How do I know? I checked it using the tool at Capitalize my title. So if you go to that website and then type in your title, the tool will tell you if you've got it right. Of course, there are different styles of capitalization as far as titles go, but they have various options. You just choose the style that you like. So that was my first story. Now I have another story about punctuation. It is a very short one. It is called Learning About Punctuation the Lewis Carroll Way. Here's the story. I never used to bother with the finer points of punctuation because I wasn't sure how to use such devices as colons and semicolons. For a long time, I didn't even know their proper names. To me, there were two dots or a dot and a comma, and I'm supposed to be an educated woman. But one day, help arrived in an unexpected way. I started reading Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland out loud to my children, and I became very excited. It wasn't so much the story, which is great in its own right, My attention was grabbed by how the book was punctuated. I really think Lewis Carroll is a master of punctuation. He knew just where to use all the devices to the best effect. Do you like how I slipped a colon into that last sentence? I enjoyed Through the Looking Glass even more than its predecessor. While I was reading, I had my eye on all the colons, semicolons, brackets, ellipses, inverted commas, or quotation marks. I took note of where they'd been used, and I started modelling my own writing on this fine example. By the way, I'm still learning, so don't examine my sentences too closely. So if you or your children want to improve your punctuation, download a copy of any of Lewis Carroll's books. They are all available free online. While you're noting all the colons and commas, you just might enjoy the stories as well. A couple of those comments in there didn't come over very well because this is a podcast and not a blog post, so you can't see my colon that I slipped into that particular sentence. And you can't see whether I punctuated everything carefully. Maybe that's a good thing. So you can learn punctuation and grammar by Googling, by using a tool like Grammarly, or you can read books that have been punctuated very, very well. I think we learn a lot by observing other people's examples. At the beginning, when kids are learning to write, quite often they want to imitate their favourite authors. And this is really good. Yes, learn from the experts. And then later on, have your own style. Yes, develop things a little bit further. We can make our writings our own. 
but whatever we do, we want them punctuated well. Is there only one way to punctuate a piece of writing? I don't think there is. There are lots of different styles of punctuation. I don't really think it matters which one we use. It can be a personal decision, as long as people can understand what we are trying to say, and as long as we are consistent. Yes, if we leave out the full stops, or we don't use many commas, maybe the meaning of our writings will change. But so many times, there are choices to be made. Does the first letter of the first word after a colon need a capital? Well, for Australian and British writers, it doesn't need a capital. But in the USA, that word always does start with a capital. And I guess we can choose whatever system we like. My third story is called Wanting to Learn How to Spell. And this story is in my book, Curious Unschoolers. But if you poke about my blog a little bit, you will find a version of it on my blog as well. But this is the edited final best version, I think. Yes, editing is part of writing. And I have discovered that we can keep on editing and editing we change our minds about how we want our writing to look or to sound. We are never satisfied. Well, at least I find it hard to be satisfied. And I think that is because we are continually learning. Whatever we are satisfied with today, in a year's time, two years' time, we might come back and think, oh, wow, I know how I can improve that piece of writing. I'm not satisfied anymore. I think I'll have another go. But for now, this is my best version of the story, Wanting to Learn How to Spell. And I wrote this story when Gemma Rose was eight. That's eight years ago. Gemma Rose isn't a defiant child. So when she said to me, you can't make me learn anything I don't want to learn, I stopped and listened. We were talking about spelling. Did Gemma Rose want me to enroll her in an online spelling program? No, thank you, Mum. Well, how will you learn how to spell? I'll pick it up as I go along, she answered confidently. But wouldn't it be easier to do a proper program? Don't you think it's a fun way to learn to spell? Not really. And if I don't want to do it, I won't learn so it's a waste of time. I didn't enrol Gemma Rose in a spelling program. She is going to pick it up as she goes along. Actually, all my other children have also picked up spelling as they've gone along. I answered their spelling questions and pointed out a few patterns here and there, and they learnt some words on their own because they liked them. And they're all good spellers. I don't know why I was distracted by the idea of an online website for my youngest child. New things come along, and sometimes they are worthy of consideration. We try them out, and then return to what we know works for us. We are reading Anne of Green Gables. Gemma Rose is sitting on the edge of her seat, her whole body quivering with excitement. As I read Anne's long speeches, Gemma Rose's face lights up and she can't resist interrupting. Anne is such a chatterbox. Now and then she asks me a question. What's an alabaster brow, mum? Alabaster, alabaster. Gemma Rose rolls the word off her tongue, delighting in the sound. When we come to the word excruciatingly, she is absolutely delighted. She repeats this word a few times too, asks me its meaning, and wonders when she can use the word herself. A few days pass, and Gemma Rose appears and announces, When I fell over when we went running this morning, it was excruciatingly painful. A huge grin spreads across her face, and then she adds, it didn't hurt that much, really, but I wanted to use excruciatingly. 
Isn't it a wonderful word? A few more days pass, and Gemma Rose asks me, Do you think you could write me a list of spelling words? I want some nice, long, interesting ones, like excruciatingly and Australia. If I could spell them, I could use them in my stories. I write her a list of interesting words. For the last couple of weeks, Gemma Rose has been writing a stage play for an online challenge. Every day she has been working by herself, writing page after page of script. Do you want to read what I've written so far, Mum? I glance over Gemma Rose's shoulder, and I'm surprised. I can read everything she's written, and most of it is spelt correctly. And it hasn't even been through the spell checker. I conclude that there's more than one way to learn how to spell. The picking it up as you go along method is working for Gemma Rose. She wants to learn the spelling of the words she wants to use. Now I have to admit that one of my children was not a good speller. I tried organised spelling lists and phonics-based spelling and still he spelt things his own way. I took this problem over with an educational representative who reassured me that many very intelligent people can't spell. Many are so successful in their fields they can employ someone to spell for them. Or they use a spell checker. So I stopped worrying. I did, however, notice something very interesting. When that child started participating in online university discussion boards, his spelling miraculously underwent a transformation. Almost overnight, he could spell. I guess it comes back to need. The other day, my husband Andy texted me while we were driving. Imogen read out the message. Tonight's parish council meeting has been cancelled. Excellent, I said. Now we don't have to hurry home from our day out. Imogen texted Andy. Mum says excellent. E-X-E-L-L-E-N-T. The reply came instantly back. You missed out the C in excellent. Dad, you can tell he's a school teacher, groaned Imogen. It was only a text message. I do really know how to spell. And Gemma Rose will know how to spell soon too. Not because she's using a fabulous spelling program, but because she wants to learn. And that's the best motivation for learning anything, isn't it? Wanting to learn, knowing that you have a need or an interest. Trying to make kids learn things before they're ready really is a waste of time. Even if they can spell all the words in a list, they might forget them if they're not using them. That's why Gemma Rose wanted a list of words that she wanted to spell. She likes the words that roll off the tongue. I do as well. Sometimes I sit there and I'll just say words because I like the sound of them. And I like the way she was looking for opportunities to use her favourite words. When a child loves words, they won't have any problem with writing. I guess the other point in that story is that sometimes we can be distracted by things that deep down we know we don't need. We see another resource, we hear about a fantastic spelling program, well at least it sounds fantastic, and we wonder Perhaps we ought to try it out, even though our children might be doing very well without the program. Do we do this because we're curious? Do we not want to miss out on something that could be fantastic? Or is it our backup plan? Do we understand the principles of unschooling, but we're not quite confident and maybe we feel deep down that we would like to revert to something a little bit more traditional. Maybe this new program is different enough. It could be the answer. The answer 
to our kids' learning in such a way that doesn't require quite as much trust from us. I suppose there's one last, last comment that I can make about that, and that is that we should listen to our children. Yes, I put that idea to Gemma Rose, and she was not interested in it at all. And I listened. Yes, our children know what they need. So that's my story about spelling. Kids will learn to spell in their own way and time. Though, of course, sometimes we would like to hurry that process up a little. Maybe we feel that our children's ability to do things such as spell and read are a reflection on our ability to educate and bring up our children. Other people are maybe judging us. Yes, people do like to test our children. They want to make sure that our children are actually learning, which they are. Now, my fourth and final story is called The Writing Game. No shortage of writing ideas. So, as I said, my children and I, we learnt the rules of grammar and punctuation while we were writing. But what do we write about? Well, if you have some creative writers in your family, maybe you will like this story. I also mentioned this story in last week's episode. You might remember that. Now, I wrote the writing game No Shortage of Writing Ideas in July 2014. So what is that? Nearly six years ago. My daughter Gemma Rose and I are having some mother-daughter time. We sit at one of the wobbly white tables in the shopping mall and sip our drinks. I have a coffee. She has a chocolate milkshake. What have you been enjoying recently? I ask. Gemma Rose sucks on her straw for a moment and then she says, Writing. I love writing. There's lots to write about, isn't there? There is? Oh, yes. I have lots of writing ideas. And if I ever do get stuck, I have a game I like to play. I think of a word and then see if I can find a story to match. I'll show you. I look at Gemma Rose's camel-coloured coat. It has big, round buttons. I say, buttons. Do you remember my grandmother's rusty red button tin? I could write a story about that. For a moment, we sip our drinks in silence, and then I say, give me a word. Gemma Rose looks around and then says, garbage bin. I have a great story about garbage bins, I smile. Do you remember when Duncan didn't put out the garbage bins on Christmas Eve? The truck came to empty them in the early hours of Christmas morning. We arrived home from midnight mass seconds too late. There's a lot more to that story, but I won't tell you everything. I might write that story out properly another day. I have a word for you, I say. Nose. That's easy, says Gemma Rose. I could write about Nora's huge nose. Our puppy is always a good subject for a story. Donuts. Did you know Sophie was quite upset when she discovered donuts are deep fried? All that oil. Perhaps it's better not to know how things are cooked, I say, or what they're made from. Like chicken nuggets. Things are not always what they appear to be. That would be a good subject for a story. Gemma Rose sucks her milkshake noisily up her straw. Straw, I say. Advent, Gemma Rose replies instantly. We earn straws to put in the nativity stable during Advent. Actually, I've written a story about those straws. It's in my Angels of Abbey Creek book. Gemma Rose and I trade a few more words before I say... We have millions of stories that we could tell. Everyone does. They are the stories of our lives. All we have to do is decide which ones we want to tell. Then when we have a story idea, 
we need to make sure we add some feelings to it. Is it a happy story or a sad one? Perhaps it's a frightening story. Is it a funny one? The garbage story is really funny, smiles Gemma Rose. I wonder if I can find the right words to make people smile when I come to write it. Have you ever noticed how we often learn something from our stories like how food can taste good until you know exactly what it's made from? Or never assume the garbage truck won't arrive to empty the bins in the early hours of Christmas Day. Sometimes unexpected things happen. Or Christmas wouldn't be the same without all the traditions. Coming to some conclusion makes the story even better. You can just retell something that happened, or you can learn something from it. Then when your story is written, all you need to do is post it on your blog, I finish. Jimmerose frowns. And then everyone can ignore it. No one reads my blog stories. She sighs. I know how she feels. It's nice to share our stories with other people. We want to know whether we have successfully put our thoughts into words. Can the reader see the story that exists in our heads? Can they feel what we're feeling? But even when no one reads our words, it is still worth writing. We can enjoy our own stories, even if no one else wants to share them. I lean across the table towards Gemma Rose and say in a low voice, Shall I tell you a secret? Sometimes I visit my blogs and read my own posts. She grins. I like to remember all the things I write about. It's like going back in time and enjoying everything all over again. We stand up and gather together our shopping bags. It's time to go home. As I watch Gemma Rose push our empty cups into the garbage bin, the word coffee suddenly pops into my head. I smile. That's easy. I could write a story about our mother-daughter time and how Gemma Rose and I played the writing game while I drank coffee. And that's just what I've done. So that's our writing game. It's good to have a bit of fun when we're writing. It's also good to explore our experiences and to remember things that have happened to us. Yes, we all have a lot of stories. Our lives are made up of stories. Do we want to record them, write them down? Even if we never share them with anyone, we will have a record of our lives. Does that sound terrible that I go to my blog and reread my own blog posts? Yes, they make me smile because I remember all the things that have happened in our lives. There are a lot of wonderful memories in my blog. Gemma Rose has a couple of blogs online as well. Maybe I should share some of her stories. She has probably forgotten that she even has those blogs because quite some time ago she moved on from blogging. She decided that she was more interested in writing novels and so she did NaNoWriMo for quite some time. And now she's moved on from that, at least for the moment. She's moved on to new interests. At the moment she likes art and running and she's very much involved with her part-time job. So those were my stories for today, stories about unschool writing. Now I have lots of other stories about unschool writing. There's a whole section about unschool writing in my book, Curious Unschoolers. But there are other ones that are not in the book that are on my blog, and I will share some more of those another day. Before I finish this episode, I want to talk about podcast chapters. I told you last week that I was listening to a couple of my favorite podcasts and I noticed that the podcast episodes had been divided into chapters. 
And by clicking on a chapter, I could move through the episode. I could find things very easily. And I said that I wanted to divide my podcasts into chapters so that you can find maybe a story that you would like to listen to without having to scroll and scroll and scroll. Just by clicking on the chapter name, you will be taken to that story. I also said last week that I didn't know whether I would be able to divide episode 166 into chapters. It just depended on how difficult it would be and if I had enough time to work it all out. Well, I did work it all out. It wasn't that difficult at all. So last week's episode, Unschooling Sausages and Other History Stories, I think I divided that episode into five chapters. There's one chapter for the beginning things, one chapter each for the stories that I read out, and an end chapter with all the end stuff. And as you heard in some of those feedback comments earlier, people seem to like podcast chapters. Now there's only one problem. Not all podcast apps support podcast chapters. So it depends on what app you are listening to my podcast through to whether you can actually see those chapters and whether you can actually use them. Find a story, find whatever you would like to listen to you. I did a little bit of research and I do have two podcast apps that I know support podcast chapters. The first one is Apple Podcasts or the old name is iTunes. If you go to the episode on Apple Podcasts, you have to full screen the episode and that will bring up the podcast artwork at the top of the screen. That's that picture of the curious eyes behind the magnifying glass and it has the name of my podcast, Stories of an Unschooling Family. So first find that screen, the full screen version of the podcast episode and then if you scroll down you will see the episode description, the show notes and underneath last of all you will find the podcast chapters. I think the way that Apple Podcasts work with podcast chapters is a bit clunky. You've got to do a lot of scrolling to get to the bottom, but you can hide the episode description and the show notes. And then the podcast chapters will be closer to the top. If you start the podcast and then click onto any of the chapters, the podcast episode will automatically forward to the place that you have chosen. And one thing that you might not have noticed if you don't look at your screen while you're listening is that each chapter has its own artwork. I uploaded images to go with each of my stories. They are the images that go with the original blog posts. So if you glance down to your phone while you're listening, you'll see the pictures that go with the stories. I guess that if I have something in particular that I would like to show you, the image of a book maybe, this would be a good way to share it via a podcast. Now the other podcast app that I found that supports podcast chapters is Overcast. This is a free app. It does have a premium version, but I've just got the free one and it works perfectly. And I like this better than Apple Podcasts. And that's because of the arrangement of where the information is. Again, you need to open the podcast episode in full screen. Now, instead of scrolling downwards to find the show notes and the podcast chapters, you have to swipe. If you swipe to the left once, you will see the episode description and the show notes. If you swipe to the left twice, you will see the podcast chapters. If you swipe the other direction, you will come to a screen that allows you to change the speed of the podcast. Yes, you might want to speed up my voice a little. I guess everybody has their preferred speed. 
Now the Overcast podcast app has a feature for podcast chapters that Apple Podcasts doesn't have. It's a very good feature too. If you go to each of my stories and you will see the artwork as I described previously, go underneath the picture, there will be the name of the story and that name is has a link. And if you click on that link, you will be taken to the original blog post. So the podcast chapters are linked. I guess I could link chapters to my blog. I could also link chapters to my book or I could link chapters to anything that I'm talking about, other people's books, resources, whatever. Yeah, that's a good feature, isn't it? This chapter about podcast chapters has been very, very difficult to record. Getting my tongue around all those words, podcast, chapters, podcast apps, podcast episodes, apps that have podcast chapters. Yes. I don't think I have done very well. But maybe Gemma Rose would like the sound of all those words. Maybe she would like to sit there and say those words over and over again. A bit of a tongue twister, maybe. Well, I am coming to the end of episode 167. All I have left to do is to invite you to visit my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, where you will find lots and lots of stories in my archive. You could subscribe to my blog if you like reading. I will put together some show notes. There's a few resources that I have spoken about. I could also invite you to follow me on Instagram at Stories of an Unschooling Family. I'm also on YouTube and of course I should invite you to go over to Amazon and have a look at my unschooling books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. All I have left to do is to thank you for listening and then I will sign off with my new tagline. This reminds me that I left out part of a comment at the beginning of this podcast I will see if I can find it. Yes, the very last comment that I read out had a P.S. P.S. I like the new closing words. Very good. I like the new closing words too, except I haven't got used to saying them. Again, it's hard to get my tongue around them. I got so used to saying trust, respect and love unconditionally. Now I've got to get used to saying... Live a radical life of unconditional love. Well, let's see how I go today. And so until next week, don't forget to go out there and live a radical life of unconditional love.